This podcast is a frank discussion on sexual assault. If you are in the USA for free and confidential help, call 1-800-865-HOPE in Australia for confidential counseling and support in cases of sexual assault or abuse. Please call 1-800-RESPECT. brother, Brady Height, was due to speak to me to unpack my story of surviving sexual assault. Throughout the course of our conversation, though, it became clear that many people have their own secrets of personal trauma. In a clear case of recognizing the power of revelation, listen to the interviewer become the interviewee in this unique one-on-one between brother and sister. Where does this podcast find you? Where are you in the world, little brother? Yeah, so I am uh, about an hour from where we grew up, live in Camarillo, California, and um, just so excited to be here. I feel like we are next door doing this thing, even though we're an ocean apart here. It does feel like you're next door. Yeah. And question... How are you feeling today, Brady? Yeah, so I I got up today, got a little haircut, just felt like it was, felt like honestly one of the more important days of my life today. Makes me a little emotional thinking about that, but- um, That's why I brought the Kleenex today. <laughs> yeah, just, uh, you know, it's just been such a journey for you and obviously for your family, me as well. Um, and I'm just, you know, feeling on top of the world that you're going to attack this thing and and have such a sweet platform for so many people that you're going to be able to help. And um, just so excited today. Me too. You know, for all your all your uh, future listeners and followers, um, I was thinking about the name of your podcast and you know, I'm a I'm a tennis coach, 25 years in. Um, and it's such a nice nod. I love, love the title of this podcast, Open Stance. You know, I, I coach an open stance forehand, which to me is, is the modern game, right? It's you're, you're trying to do it the way the pros do it. If you're in an open stance, when you're standing on the tennis court and it's just such a nice parallel. Cause I feel like you are, you know, in a way going to be bringing people specifically women into just a new modern way of tackling such a brutal experience. It's, I like that we've touched on that right away. Open stance is um, everything, getting the name and delivering um, meaning through a couple words is a really, is a really gigantic task. so we've got the name open stance and I have a, a symbol with the lion that I've been using as a logo. Um, and one of the things that you touched on is how it's such a powerful thing for women in today's world and the new frontiers that we're, we're breaking into. Um, but one of the reasons that I use the lion specifically, so going to statistics, one in four women will be sexually assaulted or abused before the time that they're 18 years old. Um, However, one in six boys will be sexually assaulted 
in their lifetime. So when I chose the lion um, to go with open stance, I was extremely clear that my logo didn't represent just one gender because um, as we'll talk about in this journey, um, 30 years later now, uh, there's nothing more clear than the fact that this Open Stance podcast is for everyone. Sexual assault, rape, and abuse mm -hmm. um, does not discriminate. It's men, women, and children, sadly. So Open Stance, what you're talking about, it's, it's amazing to hear your perspective. And a little bit to go with that is, is the form of the lion, which is non-gender specific. Um, it's an insane honor to have you here. There's a lot of power in the fact that not only has a 30 year journey, um, I've arrived at this place right now in a position to be able to offer something that can be a resource for people around the world that are either survivors of sexual assault. It's a massive platform for education and information. So um, in terms of prevention, awareness, education, uh, so that this doesn't happen to other people. Um, You've been with me along this journey um, for many, many years. Why don't we start with the moment I told you this happened to me and sure. that we can just kick it off there. If you yeah, remember so, where um, we were. Yeah, I know exactly where we were. Just kind of honestly, one of those days, like if you told me, hey, where were you when Kobe Bryant died? Not to not to say there was a death here, but it, this was, this was a day. And, you know, you took me out to lunch. We went to El Tarasco, our favorite Mexican food down there in Venice, California. Um, you know, which wasn't out of the blue. We do lunch a lot. You were, you were now home from college for a couple of years and we went and, you know, had a good start to the lunch. Cause, cause we just love that food. And, and you just stopped and you said, I have to tell you something. And um, that, uh, ooh, that was a tough one. I remember just kind of stopping and catching my breath. And, you know, you, you, which is so good for your listeners, you, you obviously took time for yourself to be able to get to that point, to be able to tell me, to tell the rest of the family. And so I don't even remember you getting that choked up. You know, it was just such a strong uh, position you had gotten to. You just were not going to let this thing get the better of you anymore. And I remember thinking to myself after, you know, we had headed home and I was just like, geez, that could have been like the most emotional conversation of my life. But you're just so strong that it really was more of just a conversation. You explained, you know, who it was, exactly how it happened. Um, you know, how long you'd just been stuffing it down, but you just blossomed that day. And I know you'd already told, I think our parents and, and one of our siblings before you told me, but I just, I think you must've just been getting better and better every time it came out of your mouth, because it was such a, a show of strength. And, um, as, as hard as the message was that you gave to me, I was like, dude, she's she's just gonna get better from this, you know, as a person, and and your life was gonna obviously take a huge turn for the better. Um, that 
just but yeah that was that was one of the days of my life that i'll just never forget we were sitting on the brick patio table closest to the sidewalk and um i don't know if i had another i don't know if i had another bite of food that day (laughs) it's um what what you said is such a huge part of why we're sitting here today um carrying around a deadly secret like that it is it's deadly to the soul and i carried the secret around buried locked away for seven years from the time i was raped in college 17 years old so by the time it took that long for me to get this to the surface and something happened in life um i had a relationship breakup that triggered a reaction this strong and I found mm-hmm. myself in counseling um but that first step to just say the words and to hear myself say what happened out loud for the very first time yep. um was is probably the most powerful thing an individual can do in the recovery and healing process without that you don't have much of a chance so the strength that you're talking about, I had a lot more to go from there. But that first right. time I was able to say it out loud and then to tell my family, mm-hmm. um, yes, there was an incredible fire that I didn't know was happening. And it just, it, it did snowball from there. And one of the things we were chatting about earlier before we got started were these five journals sitting behind me. Mm-hmm. That's journaling that I did since 1993 when I left college and in those journals when I go back and reread them I was screaming in the pages about this rape and what it has I didn't even know what it meant but it was somewhere in my unconscious and it was screaming through the pages and I was working through it not knowing Um, and then finally uh, in about 1998, it all came to the surface. And, and that's when I ended up in counseling and able to tell you. But the yeah. fact that talking to you, I, you actually were the first one I was going to tell. And I think it was just a scheduling conflict, to be honest. Sure. <laughs> but These damn um, schedules. The damn schedules, that's right. And um, the support that came was mind blowing. I didn't know what was going to happen when I told you. That's why I told all of you individually and in my family, as we know, we've got five of us, five kids and two parents. And that's a lot of people to tell. But I thought breaking it down one by one, not knowing the response and how heavy it would be. And every single one of you um, just delivered on support. And, And that was the stepping stone to everything I have done since and i didn't know that was going to happen it doesn't always happen so just a quick moment to say thank you for that because without that kind of unconditional support understanding and compassion uh, i would have just easily shut it down again and probably been living with it buried deep down for the rest of my life so yeah one yeah you're welcome of course i i i know so much more about rape now um after your awful experience and it just still blows my mind the the guilt that women and obviously men as you're saying one in six um the guilt the 
did I do something wrong here? I, as somebody who hasn't been through that, it just still blows me away that that is a common feeling for, for victims. And I, I can't imagine you ever telling me something like that or anybody for that matter, not getting just this overwhelming support, you know, it's, you guys have to have that. And that's a, it's a, it's such a big part of why we're the, the power in sitting here. Number one is, is the ability to use my voice right now to talk yeah. with you about this in a platform where people around the world can tune in and listen. Um, that, that to me is, um, a, a huge motivation for what I'm doing to help people that don't go through um, sexual assault or don't know someone that has been through it. Um, God forbid it ever happens to someone, but um, it is, it's mind blowing what a victim does go through. The rape and the assault is one thing, but the re-victimization that continues in many times for the rest of your life, mm -hmm. um, you're abused emotionally over and over and over. And in many cases, um, there are other girls and boys sitting out there that have told their families about an assault that they've had or they've been victim to, and they've been denied that. They haven't been right. believed. They have been told the questions are the burning questions that um, will silence you again. So what were you wearing that night? Why were you there? Mm. Uh, you were asking for it. The questions are endless. Um, right. Those kind of questions could have come back to me from my family. They could have come back from you. You're my brother. and. Uh, there's there's nobody I love on the planet more. So you can imagine the magnitude of a person sitting there with a loved one that doesn't believe them, right. doesn't hear them, that puts the blame on them. So the shame and the guilt, it's a mountain that comes on you instantly. And um, so many people walk around this planet in that circumstance. So again, Having you with me today is a representation, not only for my life, which made this possible, nothing's possible unless I did the work in my own world, in my own heart. Um, but it's a representation of what can happen when, when you're aware of this stuff. If you ask the questions, if, um, if, if you haven't been a survivor and you are a family member of a survivor, how should you respond? There's a whole education in that, which yeah. nobody knows. Like for you, what, what did you know how to say to me when I told you this? You know, that, that initial reaction is obviously just a hundred percent organic. You just, you just want to give the biggest hug, just make, make you feel protected. Number one, that you're safe. Um, but you know, I, you, you touched on just the, the secrecy, right? It's, it's I, I don't know if it's just, we were raised a little bit old school, but you know, I think we specifically was like, hey, you don't, you don't tell people your stuff, keep it to yourself. And how we were raised to get, you know, there's a difference to me between being private and having secrets, right? You. You came into my, you know, we love candy, right? So you came into my room one time and you found a brown paper bag thinking, oh, I found Brady's candy stash. 
and it was, you know, needles of, you know, and testosterone that I take, right? Because, you know, I had this massive secret that, um, you know, I couldn't have kids. And, um, you know, so for me, not being, not being a victim of anything more than just holding on to this massive secret for a long time in my life, you being able to speak out, talk about something so deep and dark that, that nobody had heard about, you know, I've gotten so much better. I, I have, you know, two daughters and, and nine and 11 years old and took one of them on a road trip in November and had this awesome conversation about how dad couldn't have, have kids. And, you know, mom and I have been on this awesome journey that, that we were able to get help from doctors. And um, here I am with the, with the two best girls I can think of, you know? And so his secrets are just debilitating. You know, you hold on to something like that and um, it'll just eat you alive. It was, it, this secret of mine was eating me alive for a long time, you know, and. Uh, Which one, Brady? The the first one where you couldn't tell or the family didn't know or this? Yeah, it's just um, as, a, as a man, you know, it just does not seem common that, uh, hey, you're, you're not going to be able to have kids. Like it always seemed like, hey, girls hear that. Totally okay. Adopt, do whatever. It's not a, not a huge percentage of men that, um, that can't father kids. And so I was in this one person fraternity, it seemed like for a long time. So going through college, um, dating girls, you know, getting to the point where, Hey, would I marry that girl? Okay. At some point you have to tell them. And, you know, I went, I went almost 10 years without ever telling any girlfriend, um, that I couldn't have kids. I didn't know, is that going to be a deal breaker? You know, will they not want me? Am I tainted goods in some way? And, uh, you know, oh. like you were saying, the, the more it comes out, especially to people you love, you, you talk to, you know, your wife, you talk to your daughters, you talk to close friends who see your girls and I'm six, seven, and it's like, Hey, how come your daughters are so short? <laughs> well, because, you know, I had to get some help having kids. Yeah. And the the more you say it, the more natural it is. And, uh... and, and you're not keeping secrets anymore. You know, and on the privacy side, you know, do I walk down the street saying, hey, I can't have kids? Of course not. You know, I I love this feeling that, you know, those who need to be told are for sure going to be told. Um, but you still in a way can, can have privacy, you know, and I think that's important probably for a lot of, a lot of your listeners and viewers is just to know, you know, you don't have to just go shout to the world, but just starting to unload it and get it off your chest to people that matter is just so key. This is, um, what we've just talked about in your personal story in relation to secrets is poetic justice. And it's mind blowing. You and I've talked about this podcast. We knew we weren't going to have any real structure to it for this exact yeah. reason, because you can't yeah. structure, you cannot structure this kind of conversation. And right. 
there are, I have a, a notebook here. It's all about hiding the secret. And yeah. the, the biggest, most compelling, powerful thing in all of this as a survivor from my world, and now listening to how you relate this to life in general, and it doesn't have to be rape it, or sexual assault, it applies to every huge, yeah. deep, dark secret people carry around. The secret is the silent killer. And this is where I've done a lot of research, research and scientific um, um, literature will show you very clearly that keeping a secret is quite poisonous and will manifest in health issues and all kinds of problems. And uh, that that is the silent killer. So when I think about where does this podcast go? What are we doing? Um, and you have just absolutely validated probably the most core thing that I can provide is it is about breaking the silence. And there's nothing more than that first massive, brave, courageous, scary step than when you break the silence and only the individual can do that. It's your secret. Right. You've just told me something that you've given me more. I didn't realize. I actually knew when you took your daughter Mason on that trip. I didn't know because you didn't tell me, but I knew. It's so funny. I just heard it for the first time now. But yeah, yeah. I mean, what did that feel like when you, you know, when you told it, your it's, daughter? It's interesting. So Lauren and I have always, me specifically, since they were three, four years old have always just laced conversations with, hey, you know, you might might not ever get as tall as dad, or, you know, we had, we had some help. And, you know, it, the tricky thing for me was, hey, I don't wanna have the sex talk with my daughter at age four, right? But you gotta start letting them know because they're gonna, kids are so aware, they pick up on everything. And so, you know, I was getting practice of, talking to them about it. You know, we're in a community now, we've got a lot of close friends here. We weren't gonna keep them in the dark. It's just not anything, not anything to keep keep to ourselves. You know, if you if you value the people around you, let them, let them in on stuff that's really core to you, right? So, but right, so Mason's 11 now and for her birthday, and I've I've always wanted to take the girls on on road trips one on one and and just have that dad daughter time. But yeah, specifically, I knew, you know, four hour car ride. Hey, God, it's time. She's gonna she's gonna be having health class coming up. She's gonna know exactly what's what's going on. What it like? You, you asked for a response that you would just beg for. It was like, oh, that's cool, Dad. Like, hey, um, and she said, what about Taylor? Is Taylor the same? She was kind of almost like, hey, was it just me? And I go, no, we, we had you guys the exact same way. And, um, you know, I'm their dad. It's just the coolest thing. And could like, you have it built up in your head sometimes that these conversations are gonna be difficult. And like, you roll it out and all of a sudden, the way you felt like you got a response from your family, you know, could, couldn't be better. It was like a freaking blanket 
gets thrown around you when when somebody responds with just love. Would you say that by your experience with me and having confided in you a very dark secret, does that carry any weight to giving you strength and you having courage later on with with bringing up tough issues or secrets in terms of people tuning in and listening? Um, the fact that I'll just quickly wrap it up to give you this question, but by staying silent, not only is it extremely poisonous and dangerous for the individual on a number of levels, mentally and physically and spiritually, if I had remained silent my whole life, how many people have I not been able to save or help or protect from information, experience, education um, that I have? I have power in the experience that happened to me. And if I don't use my voice and I do not put out there what I've learned and what I've gained from all of this in a positive way, how many people potentially? Um, will be harmed in the future. And so going back to you, not only are you're bringing this secret up to the surface for yourself and your own health, what about for other people, your daughters, your family, and those closest to you as an example of what they may need to do at some stage in their life? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I in no way blame our parents for the fact that you and I, and maybe our, I don't know, maybe our siblings held on to stuff without even talking to those closest to us for way too long. I just think that was how a lot of people operated. So it would be such a disservice now with my girls and, you know, we've got a big family. We have a lot of, nieces and nephews that they need to see you they have to they have to know i mean you're a professional speaker on something that is so valuable especially i the the math that one in four girls is going to have a sexual assault hard hard to even put faces to that, but it's going to happen. They need you. They need me. They have to know that communication is, like you said, it's the most important thing to, to having a life through, and through horrific stuff. And look, my, my experience, while it is, it, it's just nowhere near what you went through. Um, but you know, it, it, it was something that for me personally was just devastating, right? I'm, I'm a lover of kids and it really felt like a part of me was just shattered. Right. And while they're not the same, you know, if you're not speaking out, if I'm not showing them through action, how to talk about stuff that's difficult in our lives. You know, it's just going to be a, a trend where how we were raised 
continues on. So, you know, you, you are, uh, you are going to be the champion for, for our family and hopefully a lot more girls and boys out there, um, to live flourishing lives. What you said, um, really resonated with me. Uh, number one, just to, to every person's trauma. We're, what we're talking about here at Open Stance yeah. is sexual assault, rape, um, yeah. abuse, trauma. But what you and I are talking about is trauma. And it's just your trauma is no less or no more. We all have, um, in many cases, a trauma in our lives. And you just said words like shattered, devastated, um, because you're my brother and I feel like we were born in the same pod. We've got a lot yeah. of similar DNA. I yeah. feel that your experience, um, what you've been through, your trauma um, is as devastating on as many levels or more as mine. So that's a big one, never to compare traumas. That's um, just setting right. that record straight. Right. Um, and number two, the education. So open stance, yes, I am a survivor of sexual assault. I was drugged and rendered unconscious for 10 hours um, and abused and raped. That is something that I was not prepared for. And let me yeah. tell you why. I don't think at 17 years old when I was playing tennis at Duke University that I really even knew what sexual assault or rape was, to be yeah. blatantly honest. If you had said the word, I probably read it in terms of a book, say, you know, whatever. I don't, I had no comprehension. So when this happened to me, I woke up on a floor completely violated and I didn't even know myself or my body in that moment. It was completely otherworldly. Education. I have all of my heart goes into open stance to provide people with a chance. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what rape or assault was. Uh, God forbid, I had no idea what drug facilitated rape was. Somebody put something in my drink and knocked me unconscious. That I had never heard of. Um, at the time, when I was 17, we had no phones. There was no internet, <laughs> going back right. a little bit. Um, regardless, there would have been somebody on campus, and I know from further research, there were people on the Duke University campus I could have gone to. I could have gone to the police. That would have been the obvious thing. But I, I was in a state of shock, which I didn't know at the time. Um, and the education you need to have in your in your computer, up in your brain, if this happens to you or somebody you know, or you're watching it happen, or you hear about it happen, uh, you need to have some kind of plan. I had no plan. Right. So what we're talking about, your daughters, Brady, our nieces, our nephews, we're surrounded by families raising children 
we're surrounded by survivors and you don't even know it. Um, we need education. I needed to know what to do. I needed to know, even though I didn't have a phone, I couldn't call somebody. I didn't have a car where I was. I actually had to have my rapist drive me back to the campus because I had oh. no money. I had no credit card. I couldn't call a cab. I had no Uber. We have none of that back then. I was stuck in my predator's apartment and I had to get a ride home with him. If I had known anything, um, I would have at least arrived into my dorm room and told my roommate, yeah. told somebody, told the police, anybody, but I didn't, I didn't know what to do. So when we're talking about young children, I have three young children, a 10 year old boy, a nine year old boy and a seven year old daughter. You have two young girls, our brothers and sisters have kids. When does the education start? It can start at their age. You don't have, we're not talking the big picture, but there are right. build, there are unbelievable building blocks available to us in today's world that will graduate young children year by year according to their age and their ability to understand these organizations around the country around the world are doing phenomenal work on a prevention and awareness and education level and again it's all about not holding the secret or thinking sure. your kid has to be in 10th grade before you can have a right. serious chat with them so um thank you for bringing that up about how you felt comfortable on that four hour ride with your daughter, Mason, yeah. and saying, what, what are we waiting for? You know how to talk to your daughter. You yeah. know at what level she is. And then again, going back to the response, if you've got something like this happening and you've got a trauma, sexual assault in my experience, I didn't tell one person. Yeah. How is that possible? And then to live with it. So yeah, um, you, you're yeah. Go ahead. You'd like you'd like to think that oh so so long ago early nineties. I'm just taking a wild guess that there's still huge numbers of people in 2021 that are still operating that same way, even with a phone, with the internet, with everything. Just afraid to probably step through that door of talking about it. Absolutely. So this is just such an awesome thing you're doing, dude. Every year, I've been affiliated with the Rape Treatment Center in Santa Monica, California. It's part of the UCLA Medical Center in Santa Monica. It's a phenomenal organization that I received counseling from. When I finally ended up getting the secret out and breaking my own silence, um, I saw an Oprah Winfrey show that week. And Oprah Winfrey was interviewing David Schwimmer and Gail Abarbanel, who is the director founder of the Rape Treatment Center. Mm -hmm. And David and Gail were actually talking uh, about the work that they do at this organization. David's been uh, on the executive board for over two decades now. And the specific story they were talking about was drug facilitated rape. It was an awareness around the problem because this is something that just started running rampant when I was in college between 1989 and 1993. Mm -hmm. When I eventually went back to the North Carolina Police Department to report this rape, to report my rape, uh, the detective on my case 
said, these are the years this drug just literally came into the country and was running absolutely rampant, uncontrolled on college campuses. Uh, so going back to the Oprah Winfrey show, this was a massive news and education piece because the, the rape drugs and the roofies and all these things that were being used completely uncontrolled uh, mm -hmm. were wreaking havoc in, in um, across the country. So, but it was that exact story that got me to the rape treatment center. I saw David Schwimmer, a male, addressing the situation. And I thought, well, that was powerful. Oprah Winfrey. And then, and then our dad, Kurt, called up this center because it happened to be in our hometown. And mm -hmm. um, I ended up at, at this center. But um, after, after counseling for uh, about a year and a half, two years, I ended up to go on and do quite a bit of speaking for this organization. And um, again, the reason I go back to and pulling it all together the Rape Treatment Center every year has the annual brunch, which you've been to. It's where they raise all their funds so that they are afforded the opportunity to provide free counseling, free legal services, free everything for victims of rape and abuse, children right. and women. Um, but what I see is the fact that even with today's technology, victims stand up and speak at this brunch every year in October. And up to this year, we have all the technology, all the information, the most updated platforms. And like you said, it's still nearly impossible for so many people to talk about or tell yeah. about what's happened to them. So it's interesting that you pointed that out because I think about it all the time. I was just sitting there completely alone, having no clue what to do. But fast forward to 2021, this happening to another young girl in university, for example, mm -hmm. today, she could have her phone sitting right there and still not call somebody. So it's, right. again, the message is, is incredibly powerful uh, to teach the children, teach people from a very, very early age and get them used to knowing that when big things happen in your life. It yeah. doesn't necessarily have to be a trauma we're talking about. Right. Our children need to know they can come to us with anything, never mind something as significant as what you've gone through in your life and, and what I've gone through. Um, it's the, to be healthy and to look after yourself. Um, it's critical that we learn to talk about the tough stuff, to have the hard conversations. They're not easy. They never will be easy. Uh, but they have to happen and we have to learn how to do that and who to have them with. Yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty brutal that the genesis of this podcast is such a vicious assault, but I mean, this is just, like I said, it's going to be so awesome. I think you're going to affect so many lives with this Open Stance podcast and um, you'll be my first, uh, you'll be my first podcast that I, uh, start to listen to on the regular. That's awesome. I can't wait. I'm sure you're going to have so many powerful guests all with unique stories that likely found their voice hopefully sooner than later. Um, 
but it's just awesome work you're doing, dude. Thanks, Brad. Um, it is really heavy, and I, I think we've covered a lot today. I, I, one thing I will add to what you've just said before we, we close out is it's so important, I've found. It's a, it's a huge belief that I have is you have to know and learn and be able to stand up for yourself in your life. I've, I've learned a lot in the last 30 years on the back of this trauma. Um, but, but learning how to stand up for yourself is absolutely critical because if we don't know how to do that for ourselves, for ourselves, we cannot do it for anyone else. Right. And I'm sitting here on the Open Stance podcast platform, reaching out to the planet, um, but on a much more nuclear level, like you and I, our brothers, our sisters, our friends, with the children in our lives, other people with yeah. nieces and nephews or the loved ones in people's lives, there's a responsibility for us to stand up for ourselves and responsibility to act and to know that we control our reactions to things. You and I, we both have traumas in our life. We've just been able to share very, very private information, um, which is on a global platform. How amazing that we can do that. It yeah. just goes to show where we are. Yeah. And it also highlights the core again of where this all comes from for me is I've had to learn how to stand up for myself in this process. That's That was number one. Then there's a responsibility that comes with that. I've been given a great trauma in my life. Now, it controlled me for a lot of years. And then that shifted. And I've been one of the fortunate people to be able to get to a place in, in my life that I learned through extremely hard work and a lot of hard years that it doesn't control me. My mind controls it. So I learned it's my reaction. Mm -hmm. When it comes down to the basic building blocks of where I am and you are, we've changed our reaction to something. And now it's our responsibility. All right. Do we just sit with that and be okay for ourselves? No. There's a greater responsibility that you and I both have and that people all over the world that have come to this place is, it's not easy, but to share it so that other people yeah. have that chance. They're working through it in their own lives. This could be the resource, the tool, the conversation. There could be one word in all of this that helps trigger an individual on this planet to get to that next level where they own their conversation in life, they own their life. And then you're in a position like you and I, it's, um, it's amazing to hear you and how you, you're raising your girls and you own it, bud. And you're gonna yeah. be able to, you walk the walk, you're a leader, you've done it. So you can now teach them because you're yeah. a living example of it. And that's really what this boils down to is, this doesn't happen you and I without having been through it sometimes you say you walk through the fire yeah um, but you know what sometimes you got to walk through the fire because the other side is is this yeah i mean it's uh little cliche but i 
look, if one person listens to you and picks up a phone and makes a call and, and goes to get help for themselves, I mean, it's totally worth it. All of this is totally worth it for one person, you know? It was actually the one person that it was totally worth it for today was me. I learned a lot about yeah. you today. And yeah. that made me um, that made me a better person today. I, it's incredible what a conversation and saying stuff out loud can do. It's Big it, time. it can be so simple and yet so impactful. Yeah. Well, Brady, youngest brother, you and I are the first of five and the last of five, but I do tell people when they ask about you, I always say, Brady and I, he's the youngest, I'm the oldest, separated by six years, but I believe we came out of the same pod somehow. So yeah. we're as close as it gets. And it's been an honor to have you here. And I wouldn't have been here without you. I love you. Thanks, love you. And I hope you feel like you were never alone. To learn more about champion women and for help with any issues related to women in sport, such as sexual harassment and abuse, participation or pregnancy discrimination, please visit www.championwomen.org. And the U.S. Center for Safe Sport offers live confidential help over the phone on 866 200 0796 or visit www.uscenterforsafesport.org. Hi, this is Tracy Smith, and I would like to say a special thank you to the following people for contributing to the making of Open Stance. You are all an integral part of bringing this podcast to life. Alex Molchanoff, my editor, what a pro. Thank you. Kim Rodenbaugh Llewellyn for your friendship, support, counsel, and your belief in me. Thank you for sharing your book, Master of the Mask, as a resource. Nancy Hogshead Makar and Champion Women, thank you for paving the way and for your leadership. You inspire me every day. Elise Marie Hunter, thank you for providing me the rights to use your Spotify track, Light as a Feather. And to my husband, Jimmy Smith, your love and continued encouragement have helped make my vision come to life. Thank you for giving me the greatest gift of all, understanding. Jimmy, you have helped me, and that help will now help many others as Open Stance grows and finds its way to people who need its support and education. And to my mentors who have shared their brave voices, you are making a difference in the world by sharing your experiences. This podcast only works with your support. Thank you to my brother, Brady Height, Kim Rodenbaugh-Llewellyn, Nancy Hogshead-Makar, Gavin Badger, Aaron Aldrich-Sheen, and Amelia Thorpe of ameliathorpe.blog. And a special thank you to Life and Mind Psychology in Sydney, Australia. Thank you to the founder and primary clinical psychologist, Stephanie Allen, and your amazing colleague, clinical psychologist, Alana Carpin. Thank you all very much.